welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. I am in a cave and I cannot wait to get out of this cave. You guys, my kids came home from camp with hearts full of Jesus and lungs full of COVID. And so we've been on this quarantine and then my boys got it. And so it's been extended and I've never gotten it, which means that I have had to do extra quarantining. So my quarantine ends in just a few days, which is super exciting, but I have a little bit of cabin fever. So it's so nice to actually see you, Matt. I know it's all digital because we're being safe, but I had to miss something that was very important and actually a really big deal last week. And it, it was hard. So um, as a team, well, tell us about what, what happened last week. Sure. I mean, ever, ever since a Blaze started, we have placed a, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but we've placed a huge importance on the spiritual life of the people on our team and the team building, the team bonding, stuff like that. And so every year we do two retreats as a staff, one in the winter and one in the Summer. Summer. And it was so funny. So this past week was the anniversary, the 10-year anniversary of Ablaze. And so we went back through and we made a slideshow. We had a reunion, yada, yada, yada. And I found like the very first retreat. You know, it was me, Sarah, Kyle, Alyssa, and Dave Moore, you know, and his wife in Corpus Christi. Yeah, that was our very first retreat ever. It's just like it's been a part of who we are every single year to do that retreat. And so, yeah, you missed this year. Yeah, and it was amazing. Like I got to see some pictures and some videos and it, it actually hurt my heart because the, the the team and the culture that has been created over to Blaze is one where that type of spiritual intimacy is actually expected. It is kind of the standard in regards to how we interact with each other, that we pray for each other and pray with each other. And so there were some beautiful things. We had formation week just a couple weeks prior. And some of the things that happened during our prayer times there really showed me that we had a new sense of openness, a new sense of hope. And, and, and Hold a on. new sense of when you said new sense of openness, you said nuisance of openness. I was like, nuisance? Why is openness a nuisance? <laughs> a, a new vibe of openness, a new vibe of hope. Anyways, long story short, it, it was neat to see, and I was like, I cannot wait to see how this kind of takes its next step on staff retreat. And then I drove three hours to go pick up my kids from camp. And on the drive home, we got the email that someone in one of my daughter's cabins got the COVID. And then we got tested and they got the COVID. And then my wife got the COVID. And then a week later, my boys got the COVID. Anyways, long story short, I prayed for you guys. I read through a spiritual book again, just to kind of enter into the retreat and had some personal prayer time, but it's not the same as being on there and really being guided yeah. on a retreat. And I want to make that distinction because we can encourage the people that we minister to or minister with, really our volunteers or other people on staff, to pray. Yeah. Take some time to pray. Yeah. But to actually set aside time and say, we are not working today. We're not working this week yep. because of spiritual growth. This is different than a staff development day. This is different than, you know, a, a team building day. Yeah. And development and unity do take place at retreats. But the main part of a retreat or the main purpose of the retreat that we just had was for the personal spiritual growth of the team at Ablaze. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's amazing and that's important. But sometimes we get so busy leading programs or getting things done that we forget to stop. Yeah. And to nourish the people or even nourish ourselves on a spiritual level. Yeah. And making this a priority as the leader, regardless of whether you're leading volunteers or leading a staff, it needs to be done. 
Like the regular prayer life of the the team is important day in and day out, week in and week out. But taking some time to step away as a team and really be poured into, be invested in is, I think it's necessary. And we just don't do it. And we don't ask enough of our people, especially those working in the church. Like I get a blaze. Everybody was expected to be there unless they were sick or quarantining. <laughs> like I was not sick. I was quarantining. And like from the development director on down, it was everybody. We even had a mother who was nursing there with us the whole time. Like she came with her kid and spent the whole time with us. And that was kind of the expectation. And it was beautiful, the like growing together like that. And the the other thought on this is this one was different. This was the first time that we like really invested in a worship leader and speaker. And I'm, I don't want to go back, man. I do not want to go back. I think that... Why? So tell me why. Because I think this is important for us to hear. The level of expertise that was brought to that level was huge. So that's one part of it, is just the the level of expertise. I mean, guys, just just so you know, just like to get a sense of it, Deacon Ralph Poyo was there. And if you don't know him, you should. Check out the episode we had with him. It's phenomenal. I still yeah. can imagine him in his backyard and talking to Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and so Deacon Ralph Poyo was there and, and he was only able to be there for like 18 hours. So he got there at four o'clock one day and he had to leave by noon the next day. I'm not, that's not good math, but whatever, 20 hours. But the way he set us up on that retreat was like no one else ever has in in what he did and his knowledge and and it was just it was amazing but then for the whole retreat we had sarah kroger and dom there and if you don't know them (laughs) they're amazing and it was one of those things i called sarah beforehand or i talked to sarah through dom or whatever and i said just so you know we don't want you just to like do some worship songs like we don't want you just to this isn't a campfire i I am unleashing you (laughs) to worship and pray in in the midst of all this. They had a a great time with us. So just like that quality of people that we brought in to do this retreat, it it affected the retreat on multiple levels. One, the expertise that was brought in was, was massive. But then the team, the staff, they see, oh, whoa, like we've got Sarah freaking Kroger at our retreat. This is nuts. This is amazing. Like people pay money to go to a conference of these people and we have them at a retreat. Like with with the combination of Deacon Ralph and Sarah, it's like they're just at our retreat, you know? And it's like, wow, Ablaze really is investing in us. Ablaze sees how important this is for us. And it changed just the investment level of the people involved that came along. So quality is, is an important piece in, in investing in that area. But some of you on your team, on your staff or on your team might say, well, I actually have a world-renowned musician on my team, or I have someone who can give an amazing spiritual talk. I would say still seek to outsource it if that's possible. The reason is, is Matt, you got to only, the only thing outside of participating on the retreat is food logistics. You had to coordinate that. And much of that was coordinated beforehand and you just got to execute on it, which meant that during the sessions, you were able to enter in as well. And so being fed alongside the team that you're also seeking to feed is an important piece because so often we're the ones that are constantly pouring out. And I think as ministry leaders, we can fall into the facade of holiness instead of into actually divine intimacy with the Lord, Yep. right? And so I think that's important that we find moments to where we are poured into as a team collectively. Yep. And to ask to ask a, a deacon or or someone else to come in, even if it requires a little bit of an investment, to do it. 
Invest in it once. And then the next year, if money is an issue, talk to some of the people who are on the retreat last year and say, hey, can I get three of you to invest $500? And we can pay this guy a thousand and the other 500 will be to fly him out and fly him back or whatever it is. And so I think, I think that that's an important reality is that everyone got to be poured into together as opposed to one person is designated as holding the pitcher. Yeah. When everyone already knows your flaws, Matt, you get up there to give a talk on spirituality and we're like, yeah, but we already know some of your flaws. We didn't know Sarah's flaws. We yeah. didn't know Deacon's flaws. And yes, they have them, but it was nice to have someone else come in and pour into the team as a whole. So that that that's an aspect is that we were able to journey together unless we got the COVID. So. <laughs> and it's it takes sacrifice from people involved. I mean, we had four or five people that were married, left their spouses at home. And then three or four that have kids, left their kids at home with their spouse. And so it takes sacrifice for that, you know, and that's that's a tough ask often, especially if your staff isn't used to something like this, if it's not kind of part of the culture where you are. So that making that initial transition to doing an overnight event like this is really hard. Like, what do you think about volunteers, Chris? Like, is that something you can ask of volunteers? You do ask of volunteers? Because I know that I did, when I was running an active ministry, I did have overnight retreats for my volunteers. Right. But I've seen that wane off. I have, I've seen that stop. And people do day retreats. First of all, yeah, a day of reflection it is something. So I don't want to put the kibosh on it. I think that days of reflection still have value. But I think a retreat itself, there's something about what happens at nine o'clock at night when everyone is just sitting after being poured into spiritually, and you're just all sitting and playing cards or just talking, enjoying the stars or whatever it is. There's something unique about that that cannot be recreated in a day retreat or in a two hour afternoon of reflection or something like that, which are all valuable. If you're not investing spiritually, start there, yeah. right? Start somewhere. But to answer your question, like I remember offering it and we would have about two thirds of them that would be able to say yes, yep. right? On some level, some would say, yeah, I can come in for, you know, half a day or I can come in for the whole thing. But there were some that are like, no, that's too much of a commitment. Yeah. But I'd rather have two thirds of my team be radically poured into spiritually than to say no one gets poured into because we can't all go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But there was an investment. Like, Matt, like there's there's an investment in a couple of ways or sacrifices in a couple of ways. People had to make personal sacrifices to be there, which you already noted. Yep. The married people. For volunteers, again, that's a big ask. But the other piece is it takes time away from what would be considered work tasks. Now, we do this towards the end of summer, which for those in faith formation or youth ministry, this is crunch time, people. Yeah. It is crunch time. And so why do we do it right here? There's a couple of reasons. One, because it's so proximate to the ministry that we're going to be serving. If we want our ministry to be an authentic overflow of our relationship with God, then let's fill up our reservoir now so that it can overflow into them into the semester. But the second reason is logistically, we have missionaries that are coming on board throughout the summer, and then they're all of a sudden fully funded and they're with us. And so we put it towards the end of summer so that they can participate in the retreat. If we did it at the beginning of the retreat, one of our missionaries that's brand new would not have been able to join us. Yeah. That's just the reality. And yeah. so we want the whole team as much as possible, which means that when you're looking at doing a, uh, a volunteer retreat or something like that, to look at moments where they're already going to be likely to gather. Like whenever I think about what am I going to offer to God, you know, even in my personal prayer time, I was challenged years ago to give him my first fruits. You know, what, what, is, what is the time that I'm the most productive? What is the time where I'm going to get the most done? It's morning time, you know, right after my kids go to school before the work day. I mean, now it's before because that's when I'm praying instead of working. Right. You know, so that's the time that I would I, I get stuff done, you know, in the morning at that time. And that's the time. 
that I give to God. And so the same kind of thing I think about here is this is crunch time. This is like some of the most important time in the ministry year is right before the season begins, right before the ministry begins. Right. And that's the time we're given to God, you know, so it's not intentional on that side of things, but I, I kind of like that. But there is a lesson that's served because right now there's a lot of grasping going on in ministry leaders. You can, you can feel this like, Oh, I need three more volunteers to make this happen. Or ah, I haven't planned the curriculum or if I can just plan the first lesson, I can make it to next Sunday. You know what I mean? Like those type of things. Yep. And so we're trying to hold on to things, but at the retreat, we were asked to open up our hands, to let go, yeah. and to allow God to hold us. And there's something beautiful about acknowledging that the work that we do, the ministry that we do, is His first. Yeah. It belongs to God first. And so putting it at a, a high demand time, you know, yeah. it really says that in regards to just even the scheduling, it says, nope, this time belongs to God from the get-go. And so we're going to be able to do things better if we pause and sharpen our sword with Jesus Christ himself, you know? Yeah. And that was a big theme, you know, from uh, Deacon Ralph was, who do you say that I am? Like when God asks you that, like, is he provider or are you? You know, and that was a huge question. If we take stuff like this and, and not intentionally throwing stuff to the, the the wind and not doing anything, but like if we take stuff like this and, and say, no, God, I trust you. Like you are provider. You are the one who has all of this. That was actually part of the theme of the retreat, which was really beautiful. The nighttime stuff, like I'm tired at the end of the day and, and a lot of people are tired at the end of the day, but the like not not it's kind of FOMO, but it's also not. It's like I I want to socialize. I want to to be around everybody. I want to play games, and I want to partake of the Marchands. You know, um, the drinks. <laughs> Michael Michael has a particular drink that he makes, and it's really good. And it uses Dr <laughs> Pepper as a as yeah. a cocktail. It's like yep. it's, it, it yep. is pretty good. Yeah, but it's very very <laughs> unique. So yeah, but there, there, there's the case of the giggles. You get to see a different side of people. When all of a sudden you're like, okay, time to, you know, put on the pajama pants and go play a board game. You know, there's something different about the side of people that you see. So I had Michael run a game night while we were there and uh, we were supposed to be, it was kind of like fishbowl, a version of fishbowl. And y you've done fishbowl before, right? No, Where, I have so no like idea. You, you have three different rounds or whatever. The first round you're doing charades or something like that. And uh, like you go through a bowl of words and you do oh, as and many rounds. Oh, and it's the same words next time. Same words next round. and But you're doing it differently. You're acting it out differently. Got it. Well. So we were doing one where one person goes up front and, and the rest of the crew acts out the word. So the, everybody else sees the word, but I've got to say the word. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm good at guessing, guys. Let me do it. So we go up there and the first word I cannot get. <laughs> the first word I don't get. And it took forever, like all the time, I, all the time. And I didn't I didn't get the word at all. So Fail. I was like, I'm really good at this, guys. I'm really good at this, guys. Okay. So, but then like, not only did we not get a point, we got negative points because you get negative for all the ones you get wrong. Anyway, it was really funny because like you said, like you're, when you're, I don't know if you said giggle box get turned over or whatever, but Alicia and I like could not stop laughing. Our whole, our whole team, our whole crew could not stop laughing. And those moments, like you said, don't exist without time away. And, you know, and being there together, like late at night, you know, this is, I think there's a 10 o'clock by this time, you know, which for a lot of people, that's late. That is late. Yes. <laughs> for old people, that's late. Yep. But yeah, that, that stuff, like those, those moments and creating moments like that with your team, it bonds you is silly and light and superficial in a way as that is. 
it bonds you as a team in a way that nothing else can. Yeah, but at the same note, during that retreat, when we're praying for for each other, asking for prayer intentions, and someone says, I'm still struggling with the loss of my grandmother, that type of vulnerability also bonds people. Yeah, It's like you're sharing something. And so there's so many different aspects that are unifying, even though the main focus was spiritual, right? There are so many other fruits of actually saying, we're going to go as a retreat and step away, which is different than saying, we're going to take some time to pray together. Yeah, There's just a little bit of a difference when we actually invest because quantity time leads to quality time. And that's true in relationships with each other, but that's also true in relationships with God. Because if you're feeling like you're in a spiritual desert and you go on a retreat so often at some point on that event, something breaks through and you're like, whoa, I just had a connection with God. I finally let my guard down. It took me four hours of the retreat in order to get there. And I I just want to say, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Matt, I know that when some things came up chaotically and you're like, ah, what are we going to do for the retreat? You're like, we could do a day of silence and just reflect on a scripture verse, a Lectio, where we do a silent one day of silence. And that's okay too. Like there's there's things that don't have to be super complicated. It could be a lot Mm -hmm. simpler to just set that time aside and journey together. Um, But don't miss out on the opportunity to make uh, a retreat a part of your kind of onboarding ministry formation year as uh, with your team. So, and then like you have like other moments, like there were, I mean, we did praise and worship throughout the whole retreat. That's, I mean, a blaze has an interesting spirituality because we are charismatic, but we're also very Ignatian um, in just our reflectiveness and, and time for silence as well. So the last mass that we had together, Father Brian came up and celebrated mass with us. Man, there was just something different there. And, and that mass was beautiful. The type of praise that was done in the midst of that mass, it made me think like what it must have been like at the beginning, you know, I don't know that it, it was at the end of it, the final closing song was like, we don't want to end when we like in the, you know that song, Lion of Judah, or Our God is a Lion? Oh, Our God is a Lion. But it, yeah, that's not it. But don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it was like belting it out, screaming, yelling, beautiful and powerful. And that was like, I want that to happen. Everyone walked away from that, like it, with this sense of hope for what our liturgies could be if that makes any sense, like, and not at all in any way, shape or form, taking away from the amazing gift that God gives us in the Eucharist. Not at all. It was all in, it was all flowing from that. Yeah. And what the congregation brought to that liturgy. Yeah. It was just, that. that's what you're saying. It was just flowing from that. Is there was an openness. Yeah. That like, and that's like coming to mass, expecting the Holy Spirit to move in a big way is a whole lot different than what we typically see at Mass, if that makes any sense. And so right. Holy Spirit moved. Holy Spirit moved in that Mass, and it was beautiful. And it just, it was one of those things. The Source and Summit did not lose anything in that Mass. All of that, everything that we had to offer came from that. It flowed directly from the Source and back to the Summit, and it was beautiful. Good. Yeah, and I think that oftentimes— Does that make any sense? Totally, because the Eucharist is still 100% Jesus, 100% the source and summit. Yeah. But a gift can be amplified in the way that it's received. If you give your son a car on his 16th birthday and he goes and drives it into a tree, that is not the same, even though that might seem how some stewardship of certain gifts are. That's not the same as if all of a sudden he becomes like a mechanic and is waxing it and polishing it in the driveway every Saturday and just being like, thank you, dad, thank you. And it sounds like that. 
And now your team, our team is ready to drive on a whole new level yeah. because, because of the way that we invested. And I think one other piece in regards to this is this season that we're in right now where we're uh, transitioning to whatever the new normal after the pandemic is or in the midst of the pandemic or whatever the new variant is, all these different pieces. We have been in a season that has lacked radical hope. Yeah, It has lacked radical hope. And some of us were just waiting. Yeah. And, and, and the waiting, it looks different now, but there are people that are hungry to step into action and it just takes going to the source of hope intentionally to really get people back in the place to where it's like, you know what? This is going to be a great year because God is still in this year. Yep. And last year was actually a good year because God was in that year as well. Yep. And let's pray into that. Let's ask God to reveal those things to us. And so even so much so as a function of your programming, a retreat is necessary. Yeah. You should not use it. You should not use a retreat to kind of Trojan horse programming elements. And while we're praying, let's go ahead and pray for good small group questions and let's write a few of them down. And then <laughs> the next week is like, what did you guys write down? And like, we shouldn't. But um, there are fruits that are going to take place on a professional or ministerial or programmatic level from stepping aside to do those retreats. But those aren't the fruits we're looking for. The authentic witness that gets deepened just like you mentioned at the end of that mass, is what we're looking for. Yeah, another thing that happens, and I don't know if this is connected to that at all, but like you get a new language to be able to speak. So this is something I haven't been able to share with you yet, Chris, but I want you to take this to the team. Just like the way that Deacon Ralph broke out our humanness and that everything that the human body gets is an external stimulation. We like They sense physical senses. So we have five senses that the body senses. Then we have the soul, which is emotion and feeling. And this is the way he talked about it because uh, the, and then, and he talked about spirit, which is all spiritual sense, you know, that language of, okay, where are you sensing this from? Like, where are you getting oh, this wow. from? Yeah. So when you're doing, um, when you're praying with people, when you're mentoring, you can have those, ask those questions like, okay, okay, tell me like, where, where do you feel like this is coming from? Yeah. And is it, is it from an area that, that can be manipulated by an evil spirit? You know, if it is like, do you think this, whatever. So it's, there's just a new language you can get as a team when you do stuff like this and you have someone else come in and, and present, it can just change the way y'all talk about ministry and about spirituality stuff. So my final thought is what happens after a retreat, I think is just as important as what happens on a retreat. Yep. So how do we go about coming out of a retreat, continue to foster or to continue to be nourished by the, the outpouring that took place at the retreat? Yep. I think that that's something that is specific to each individual kind of program or leader, whatever retreat was experienced, how do we make that a reality to where it's sustainable? And the other challenge is how do we make it accessible to those who weren't there? And I'm not just saying it for me because I wasn't there, <laughs> but I remember going on these retreats and having these amazing experiences with my core team. But keep in mind about a third of them weren't able to make it for a yeah. variety of reasons. Yeah. And so I don't want there to be those who have been on this retreat and those who haven't and all of a sudden there's a divide, but rather how do we share those gifts with everybody so that we can continue moving forward as a team? And there's a balance. Not necessarily with you because of whatever, but those who chose not to go, because some people will say, I'm so busy, I can't do it. Right. And they really just didn't want to go. 
Yeah. You want them to have a little FOMO around that, a fear of missing out. Like For you sure. want them to have that, oh man, I, I wish I could have gone because then they'll make sure they go next year. Yep. But then those who really wanted to go and couldn't go, you don't want to make them feel bad. There's a balance. So long story short, get them on retreat, get yourself on retreat and be on retreat while you're on retreat. We want you guys to bring someone else in so that you can all be poured into together. This is so important and so vital. It is better and more important that you are poured into so that you can can be that living witness that your team is poured into so that they can be a living witness because the, the the curriculum and the icebreaker and everything else is secondary to the source and the summit that we're called to receive and live that we can encounter deeply on retreat. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online. Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to get out your calendar and schedule your next retreat for you and your team, even if it has to be 13 months from now. Get it on the books, you guys. Let's do it. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.